Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Another very important conversation. Uh, we talk about a lot of business on this show, from everything from sales and marketing and innovation and creativity and leadership and leadership development. We talk to all different kinds of organizations, from small mom and pops to large enterprises to manufacturers. A common theme that we all share in business is working with a millennial employee. And it's really, really important to have a a better understanding and a better grasp of what to do there, how to do it, what to think about, what to expect, how to refine your operations so that you can better leverage uh, what is soon going to be 50% of our workforce, the millennial employees. So very important conversation. I'm joined today by Mackenzie Kyle. He's a managing partner with the consulting services of MNP LLP. Mackenzie, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, the pleasure is mine. I appreciate uh, your willingness to stop by and discuss this very important subject. Uh, before we go there and dive into our conversation around millennials, take a few minutes, walk us through two things. Tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that you're doing at MNP, and then also give us a quick overview of The Performance Principle, which is your, your latest book. Uh, sure thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So my background is on the consulting side, and I've had a chance to do a lot of work in, I guess, the area you'd call process and improvement and change management. So I've been involved in a lot of large projects on the IT side, a little bit on the infrastructure side, and had a chance to work with different people and different organizations in Canada and the U.S. and down in Australia and New Zealand, and also over in Asia as well. Uh, so I've, I've spent a fair bit of time in the whole process of implementing change or implementing large-scale change at organizations. All right. And the book, The Performance Principle, I mean, what's that all about? So The Performance Principle is actually a sequel to my previous book about more purely about project management. But it's, uh, The Performance Principle explores understanding or trying to put some structure and framework around the key elements that motivate people or what drives people to work successfully together in organizations. So it takes a, it's really a case study written in the form of a novel that takes the protagonist and his team through a particularly stressful situation where there's a large change that's coming about, but it focuses in on trying to put some structure and framework on understanding how we can drill down and treat each individual on the team as an individual, understand what it is that they need to get out of the situation, but also align that with what the larger business objectives are all about. So it's really about performance management. Got it. Got it. But motivating our team and our talent is is always a tricky task, particularly it seems a lot of organizations struggle with dealing with these pesky millennials. So let's dive into that (laughs) subject now. So... Set this conversation up for me. I mean, why, why do we need to have these conversations about millennials and, and how to work with them, how to recruit them, how to train them, how to engage them, how to motivate them? And, you know, 
we've, I've had a lot of conversations about millennials on this show, but you know, every generation is different and unique, I think, of workers. I mean, why do we need to dive in and spend so much time talking about millennials? And, and are they, in fact, different than other generations? Well, the two good questions, and I, I deal with this a lot. I mean, it's a, it's a regular, obviously, you guys are talking about it specifically on the show, and I see it a lot just in the course of the other work that I do. I mean, the, the short answer to the first piece is we need to care about it because this is the future. This is the next generation. Soon we, and I include my, myself in that statement, we won't be part of the workforce. It will be the people we are currently labeling or branding as millennials. So they are the future of our employees, our customers. Uh, the whole shebang is going to be uh, millennials at some point. So we need to be engaged in trying to understand how to effectively work with that group of people. But, but to your comment about whether they're truly different, I mean, it's interesting to look at how millennials are portrayed and the, the challenges that people talk about working with them. You know, a lot of it has to do with, uh, or it harkens back to how people have talked about every generation that comes after them since the beginning of us actually talking about every generation. So the idea that they're different is one that I actually question a little bit. Certainly there are things about them that are different than the generation that is coming before them, but many of the things are similar. The elements carry forward generation to generation, and the idea that we need to treat them uh, differently, I'm not sure is 100% accurate. I think a big part of it is understanding what actually might be motivating them, and also understanding that, that we have to be careful about taking an entire generation or demographic and saying, let's ascribe to them a broad set of characteristics and assume they're kind of all the same all the way across. One thing that I think is different about the millennial generation is this. I, I look back at my father's career, and, and he was... He worked in the era when you would get into a, a large enterprise or a large corporation and you would spend 20, 30, 40 years there and retire with a gold watch. And, and it was just almost expected that you would spend your entire career within one organization. And there's this perception that the millennials don't want that, that they that they, they get, they're getting this, what I think is an unfair reputation of being job poppers. Because I, I think they really look for an organization that has meaning, that is meaningful work to them, that proves that it's doing good for culture and society and the world and all that. And I think one of the reasons they jump around or seemingly jump around is because they're trying to find that organization. I think they do actually want to stay longer term at an organization. I guess that I guess that means they are more more similar than than what there's a perception of, yeah? Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I I think again going back and looking at your father's generation, even your grandparents. I mean, my both my parents remember uh, they were, they're old enough to have been around through the end of the depression. They remember people coming by and knocking on the door of the house asking for food. And my mother's grandfather in particular was super lucky. He had a horrible job working in, uh, in retail that he hated every day that he worked there, but he was so thankful to have a job he would never have considered leaving. And you got to think that that attitude has carried on down to their children to value the employment piece above other things. But we've created an environment now where... I think there are a lot more opportunities for people to, to focus not just on simply having a job, but on having a job that they find meaningful. And I'm sure that my uh, grandfather in that case would have loved to have had a meaningful job, but the most important thing to him was to have a job in the first place. Whereas today, a lot of the, the younger people, they, they want a job, but they also want to be uh, valued. They want to feel like they're able to contribute in a significant way. And I think I agree with you. They're more than happy to stay in that environment as, in that environment as long as possible. 
But they have the option now where if they don't feel engaged, there are opportunities where they can move on to something that looks like it might provide more reinforcement. Whereas I don't think perception-wise, my, my uh, uh, parents or our grandparents would have thought they had that flexibility. Well, we're more now in a project-based economy, as I like to call it, or some people call it the gig economy. And so I, we're, we're obviously moving away from this where you'd be at a corporation for 30 years. But I, I think it's unfair to call the millennial generation job poppers. I think they're looking for an organization that, that is meaningful work. What are we doing wrong with how we, we treat millennials? I mean, I, you know, the, us older generation. I mean, I, I think about, uh, God bless them, I think about my parents. And, and when I'm, and I'm 47 years old, for goodness sake, but when I overhear them talking about me and my wife, and they, you know, they'll say things like, ah, the kids look good. And I'm not a kid anymore. I mean, is that happening? I mean, do we do we do we treat them that way? Do we treat do we act like fatherly figures? I mean, I guess there's some value in, in a mentorship type relationship. But are we? Are, is that one of the things we're doing wrong? I I think so, and I think we're projecting onto them what we think is important and what we think they should think is important. So there is a perception of ourselves 20 years ago, which is undoubtedly fairly skewed and ultimately incorrect. But we bring all those, uh, those perceptions and what we consider to be our values and so forth forward. And we say, look, we've already seen this movie. I can tell you what's important. You don't have to go through this experience or that experience. Just listen to me and I'll, and, uh, I'll tell you how it's going to be. And I think we're assuming that the things that we thought were valuable to us when we were 20 or 25 uh, are the same as they are today. And that's not always the case. I mean, that's not always the case for any two human beings. We all don't have exactly the same motivations. But the more that we bring assumptions into the relationship, and the more that we, I think, almost put value judgments on those assumptions, like, well, everyone should want to you know, work hard and get no recognition for the first 10 years, because that's kind of how I perceive that I did it. That's dangerous. We were not necessarily going to create an environment that is engaging. And we have to flip our perspective around to think we need to engage with this group of people. It's not something that they need to do for us. And so if we go into it with an attitude of figuring it out and understanding what motivates them, I think it's different than saying, look, let me share the wisdom of my years and tell you how it's going to be. I don't, I don't think that's ever been a terribly attractive thing for a potential uh, employee in terms of getting ga- engaged. I think everybody really does want to have their opinion valued and have input into the whole process. But it's difficult for us not to bring that framework and that perspective uh, into conversations with the millennial or the younger generation. Yeah, well, clearly we, we bring too many assumptions into the workplace, uh, well, frankly, in life, period, but, but certainly in the workplace. Yeah, absolutely. When you, how do you actually break that down, and, and, and how does an older generation – I'm tired of calling this older generations. I mean, how, the, the different generations that exist in the modern workplace. I mean, there are – what would you say, three, four, something like that? I don't know. How do you break that down so that you're not assuming anything, you actually understand it? And I, don't, I think it's – I think it's scary to call it, well, you just have to engage with them because I think everyone has a different understanding of what engagement is. So walk us through one or two or three ideas and how the different generations can begin to understand one another better. I think one of the big things is to accept the concept that people are motivated by different things. And that's not bad or good. It just is simply the reality. And, and that motivation may be tied to the era in which you were born, but it may be tied to a lot of different things. It could be the experiences that you've had in your life. But you have to really carefully consider 
that there will be a difference in, in terms of what people find motivating. What, and I think you're right. We use the term engagement fairly broadly to mean, I think, a variety of things. So engagement probably means something a little bit different to each of us, and that's okay. So if we start from the assumption that we're not going to be motivated by the same things, the second thing is then we have to agree that we have to invest in understanding what the individuals and people on our teams are motivated by. So part of that whole you know, broad engagement spectrum is to start asking questions about what the team members are interested in, what they find motivating. And then the third thing is we have to think about alignment. We have to think about aligning what we have to accomplish or what we believe our objectives are as an organization or as a group and align that with what the individuals want to accomplish. And one of the big ways to do that is to break it down in terms of understanding what do we specifically need in terms of behaviors and actions out of our different team members in order to accomplish our objective. And what are the things that they're going to find most motivating and engaging in terms of engaging in those behaviors or actions that we need and that different people are going to need different things. And then if we're looking at focusing on that sort of quantifiable piece, then we're sort of taking a step back and saying, okay, well, that might translate into flexibility. So what we need is this particular behavior action from an individual, but it doesn't mean they have to be sitting at their desk at 730 in the morning to do it here. In fact, they should be out there in front of the customer doing that, not punching a clock. And so suddenly we're into that sort of flexible work uh, uh, situation where that may be something the individual is seeking. That's not a bad thing as long as it can align with what we need to accomplish as an organization. But it's, I think it's the taking the step back and saying we're going to have to invest some time and effort in understanding the underlying process here that's driving us forward. Because too often we just make those assumptions about saying, well, this will work fine for this person or that person. And instead we have to say, no, there's an actual process here that we've got to follow. And that takes work and time and effort away from all the other million things we have to do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Mackenzie and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. In today's workplace, business leaders face significant pressure to recruit and retain the best employees, to effectively build a team, to create a culture that is healthy, productive, and dynamic, and to empower their staff in managing stress and finding balance. And behind all those pressures is one goal, to strengthen and grow the business. And too many organizations struggle with this. Unlimited Coaching Solutions provides customized strategies and training to help reach your goals and take your teams to the next level. Call them today at 585-248-9322 or find them online at unlimitedcoaching.com. All right, I am back with Mackenzie Kyle, managing partner with MNP and the author of a new book called The Performance Principle. So we were talking about this alignment thing right before the break and... and it's another one of those words that I worry that people have different definitions and understandings of. So you talked about you got to move away from the assumptions and move more towards process. And so how do you actually set up that process and who is responsible for it? I mean, if I'm a, a, a millennial who's feeling un, undervalued, is it my responsibility to try to work on this? Is it management? Is it... Uh, well, who is responsible for that? And is there, is, there, is there a model that we can follow or apply that helps us do that? Well, I, I guess I'll answer that in, in a couple of ways. And not, not to simplify things too much, because, I mean, when it comes down to it, I believe that the millennial generation and our generation and the one that came before, I think experience would show that if we take some responsibility for what we're trying to accomplish or get out of things, that's always very important. But having said that, within the organization structure that exists for most 
companies and uh, groups of people. I believe it is the, the let's call it the, the in quotes, management group's responsibility to be taking that step back to think about how is it that we're going to work together as a group. In fact, I would say that's their main job. Within a team, there are the, the people that are actually engaged in the different technical activities that need to be done. Um, and there's usually one or more or lots more people that are responsible for the process by which that happens or comes together. And, and that's the group that I think is responsible for saying, all right, We've got a variety of people here that we're working with. What's the best way to engage each one of them in a way that's useful to us as a group or as an, as an organization? And the process of that really comes back to everything from uh, that higher level strategic plan or whatever term you want to call on it, which really defines what direction it is that we're trying to go in, and then breaking that down into saying, okay, well, what is it we need to accomplish specifically that's all going to come together to be coordinated to take us in that direction? And as we get into those specific accomplishments, we get down to the, let's call it the task level, where we say, okay, we need people to do this, we need people to do that. And that whole process has to be, or I shouldn't say has to be, ideally is fairly clearly articulated. Because certainly one of the things that we find about, I think people in general, but the millennial generation for sure, is they like to know how they fit into the bigger picture. Mm. And so if they have a, a, a path that's drawn from point A, which is where we're going all the way down to where they are, or to the side, or however you want to characterize it, then that is one of the things that I think most people, and especially millennials, find as part of what they need to feel engaged. Without that, if you have someone that's just saying, look, we've got this grand vision, and it's not clear how what you do relates to any of it, I think it's hard for people to get engaged. And if, if they're seeking that feeling that they're adding value, then that's not going to be a, an environment which is necessarily going to translate for that. If they just want a job, then it's less of a problem. Well, and I think that's the deal. I don't think they want a job. I think they want to understand where they fit in the bigger picture. I think they want meaning. I think, that, and that's and that's a key. I think differentiator between between generations. I mean, what are the ramifications of of not doing this well? I mean, there's the obvious direct impact on the organization's ability to yield the results that it wants to. I mean, the the direct breakdown of of teamwork that results in poor operations and and maybe uh, poor business outcomes but i think that it also really impacts too doesn't this impact talent recruitment i mean i think one of the key roles of management is to be a magnet for talent and to recruit and yeah. and what about yeah. the impact on i mean if 50% i think i've heard you say that 50% of the workforce soon is going to be millennials. I mean, that's where the future leaders of the organization are coming from. If you have this, if you're not doing this well, then are you de- are you appropriately developing the future leaders? One of the one of the you know, there's a well a number of people that I've had the opportunity to work with that I've learned a lot from and have a lot of respect for. But there's a a common theme with those folks, and as managers, their refrain is that really the most important thing that I do, period, is to hire people. And then the second most important thing that I do is to create an environment where they can actually develop and uh, get better at what they do and feel like they're sort of contributing. So I'm, I'm 100% in agreement with you that the, the longer term implications of not trying to figure out how to engage with this generation is that the, the companies and organizations that do are going to get all the good people and the, the ones that are less interested in this ultimately, they're not going to be able to attract that talent that's going to keep them competitive and keep them out there being successful in the marketplace. And that's a, that's a hard message, I think, at this point in time for many organizations to accept because it's not as immediate as, um, 
uh, well, a lot of things that allow us to, you know, you touch a hot stove, you get burned, you don't do it again. But this is, we're talking implications that are months, weeks, you know, sort of years down the line, but they're just as certain as touching that hot stove. If you don't get good people, then you can't be successful and competitive in the, in the world. And the millennials are the people we need to get. We need to figure out how to attract and retain them. And that means taking a step back now and saying, this is, this is a long-term process and it's all about the future of the organization well it's a long-term process and and if you think you can hang a new motivational poster over the receptionist desks and turn this thing around overnight you can't uh, and you have to agree <laughs> you have to prepare yourself that it's not going to be a, a t- i mean it's going to be a timely process i mean it's going to take time and, and that's okay i, I want it to be clear yeah. it's all right and the other thing is Mackenzie. i don't think this process really ever ends right i mean i mean there's someday we're going to talk about the next generation. And so we're going to have yep. to do this whole process all over again of kind of figuring out how to deal with these cross-generational differences. And, and I mean, so this process really never ends. And, and you shouldn't ever get to the point where you say, oh, okay, done. All right, now, yeah, we, can just, now we can just coast and, and just make money. I mean, I don't think that works that way either. All right, so if you've been listening to this conversation, and I'm speaking to the audience here, and you've been listening carefully, we've talked about a lot of these things that I'm about to ask Mackenzie to kind of sum up more neatly uh, about some of, the, some of the things that uh, are, the, are the top complaints that millennials have. But, but Mackenzie, just if you don't mind, comment on, all right, what are the, what are the two or three key complaints that millennials have, just in case those listening are just not aware of those or not paying attention? My opinion is not valued is one that I hear, hear a lot. I want to do something that has value in the world. I want to feel like I'm contributing to making significant change. I want to progress quickly. And I want to be recognized for the good things that I do. And I don't want to wait until the end of the year to hear about it. I want to hear about it in the now. As I do good things, I want to be rewarded or at least praised for it. Those are, those are things that I hear from millennials that they don't often feel they get in the organizations they work in. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that, that is the list. The other thing I hear a lot about is I want, I want continuing education. I want to keep learning. I want training. I, I think too many organizations. I want to feel like I'm developing. Exactly. Well, that, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. That's the better way to say it. Yes. Uh, and that's a, that has to be a conscious part of the culture of, of continuing to invest in, in the development and training and education of, of well, frankly, I think, I think everyone, every member of an organization from young to old should be in that mindset. But I think it's particularly important because I think this is the most educated generation in the workforce, right? They're used to education. They, they, they thrive on that. And that's, I think you're, you're absolutely right. This is almost a, a prompt to us to take a step back and look and say, okay, what, what team member would we not want to feel that way? What team member would we not want to be interested in their self-development and want to contribute and do something of value and have their, their opinions valued and also get that kind of feedback? It's, it's us to take a step back and say, well, we're, we can't be, back to your earlier point, we can't be complacent. This is not a process that ends where we say, okay, everything's fine. We don't have to do anything with the, the team members anymore. The millennials are forcing us to look at and reexamine how we engage in management and coordinating and working with team members because the things that they're interested in, although sometimes they're more obvious and more visible, these are things that we should be striving to create for all of our team members. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a key function of, uh, look, this this requires mindset shifts. This requires maybe cultural adjustments within the organization. But I also think there can be some some obvious policy-driven things. I mean, the HR department can have, I mean, we talked about engagement. 
Uh, the HR department can have a much more integral role here, and their, their job is more than just onboarding, doing an initial training run, and then saying, all right, you're free to go and work now. We'll talk to you when, when you get your next paycheck. I mean, I think I think they have an important role to play here in terms of what we've talked about today, right? I, I agree, absolutely. And unfortunately, I see a lot of HR groups that, that, you know, like you said, they'll do the onboarding, and then they will provide this high-level administration of the performance review and performance mm-hmm. management process. But mostly, it means making sure that they collect the the performance review once a year that's assigned by the employee and the supervisor, uh, and that the paperwork is done effectively, as opposed to looking at that whole process and saying, we need to be driving a different way of measuring and managing performance. And it's not an annual thing, and it's not all about ticking the boxes on a form. It's about making sure that we are having regular conversations, that the supervisors and staff members are setting goals and objectives that are measurable, and that they're following up on that regularly. It's a much more involved process, and I think the human resources people can play a huge role in that. Like I say, a lot of the times what I see is they're basically more of the administrators of it without actually driving it forward. And as a consequence, that's one of the complaints I hear, not just from millennials, uh, from a, a variety of people, but certainly from millennials, that the performance management and performance review process, it just isn't meaningful. It's feedback that's broad and vague. It's delivered way too far from when the actual uh, results and behaviors are taking place, and that it's more of a headache and a pain in the butt than something that anyone gets any value out of. Well, I think the mindset for a lot of people doing performance reviews and the view of getting one is a punitive one and a judging one, where yeah. I, I think it ought to be more of a of a fun developmental and coaching relationship, mentoring than than a punitive one. And in our current mindset of how we do that, you know, let's rate this person, where do they need improvement required? And our, our tendency is to focus on, okay, here's what's wrong. Uh, and in some respects, that's easier than thinking about, okay, well, let, you know, in order to, to figure out where we're going, we do need to sit down and, and determine what the goals and objectives should be that are meaningful and that are measurable. And then the, the focus can be on how well we're doing to achieve that and support to achieve that. But you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's seen as the end of the year when someone's going to give you a list of the stuff you need to improve, which is not really motivating for anyone, I don't mm, think. Not at all. Not at all. Boy, I, I asked that last question completely forgetting about your discussion about the annual performance review and how negative that is. You're right. HR has a critical role to play in that process as well. All right. Well, Mackenzie, goodness, we could talk for another several hours on a lot of these subjects, and a lot of them do require a lot of deeper conversation, deeper thinking. But unfortunately, we're out of time for today. Before I let you go, should anyone have any questions, how can they find you? Where can they learn more about MNP? And where can they find a copy of The Performance Principle? Well, you can find out more about MNP at our website, which is just mnp.ca. And somewhere in there, you can you can find out about me. And the performance principle, probably the simplest way, is Amazon.com. It's available there in the business book section as a Kindle or as a paperback. All right. You can find you at MackenzieKyle.com as well. All right. Mackenzie Kyle, Managing Partner, Consulting Services with MNP. Mackenzie, great to have you. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you very much. All right. All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Mackenzie Kyle, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to intrepidmailinglist.com. That's intrepidmailinglist.com and sign up. 
You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.